Hey, Stephanie Gotts, you got a second to talk about Guardian Vets? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Man, I uh, I hear from people all the time that are overwhelmed because the phones never stop ringing. Yes. Um, and I'm sure you, you hear from these people as well. You know, like our caseload is blowing up and the doctors are busy and uh, the phones just don't stop. They never stop. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true story. I'm amazed by how uh, how few veterinarians know about Guardian Vets. This is a service where you have uh, registered technicians uh, who can jump in virtually and help you on the phones. You can flip the switch and uh, Guardian Vets can jump in and take some of the load off the front desk and they can handle your clients and get them booked for your appointments and give them support. And it really is a godsend. Pre-pandemic, it was amazing to me how many people hadn't heard about it for after hours call help. But at this point, I can't believe how many people don't realize that they are offering help during the daytime as well, which I would think right now is a huge benefit to practices because everybody is shorthanded. Everybody is drowning in phone calls. And so we talk about it. We've talked about Guardian Vets a lot on the podcast. And every time we do, we always get somebody who says, what is that? Guys, if you're not familiar with Guardian Vets, if you think that you could use some help on the uh, on the phones or up at the front desk, check them out. It's guardianvets.com. And uh, if you mention our podcast, me and Stephanie Goss, uh, you get a month free. So check it out, guardianvets.com. Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. And this week on the podcast... Andy and I are making history. That's right. We had a fantastic email from the mailbag, and I'm going to set it up in just a second. But it was so good that we decided to split this episode into two parts. That's right. We're tackling headspace and we're tackling action steps. But we had so much great conversation about this specific topic that we decided to make the headspace part one and the action part two. So if you love this week's episode, stay tuned because next week will be part two. We're going to cover all the action steps and we hope it's worth it uh, for this little bit of a lengthier than normal episode because this is a fantastic topic that came to us from Squash But Stubborn. I just want to take a quick second and give a big shout out to our friends at Banfield Pet Hospital for making the transcriptions of this podcast possible. The podcast transcripts are brought to you thanks to a generous gift from Banfield Pet Hospital, which is striving to increase accessibility and inclusivity all across the veterinary profession. If you would love to find out more about the DEI initiatives for Banfield, you can head on over to the link in the show notes. And now let's get into this, shall we? And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and the one and only Stephanie. I'm a hard-working goss. <laughs> I do. I feel that this week. Uh, it, yeah. is, it is a hard-working time of year. How's it going, it, Andy Rourke? It's insane. Uh, it's insane. <laughs> and it is a it is a very hard-working time of year yeah. um holy cripes we got a lot going on yeah, uh, we, we got two new uncharted team members last week <laughs> um last week we got two new and they are both bad a yes. uh, bad mamma jammas yeah uh, we are we are doing people aren't going to even recognize uncharted in about three years uh he's we've got we've got We've got Batman's secret lair, uh, and we've got a lot of people down there building a Batmobile or two or three. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be freaking nuts. So yeah. anyway, we've got awesome stuff going on here. How are you doing? 
I'm I'm good. It is uh it, it is busy. We have we have a lot on our plate and it is uh it is that time we when we're recording this uh we are it's right before we do get you done and I'm super super excited about that and then you and I uh and one of our other team members have an event the week after and it's just like busy 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 and it's busy with the kids so it's just it's that time of year the the weather is changing and it's just uh it is it is crazy, but it is good. Yeah. I'm I'm here for it. I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm long for the ride. <laughs> well, you know, you write the book you need to read. It's like we we put on the conference we need to have. Like I'm like yes, boy, we really need to get shit done. Conference uh, <laughs> when you're overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. When when you're overwhelmed, that's exactly it. Like let's get some let's get some smarter people than us in here. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's it's uh yeah. it's it's funny. Boy, it's, it's stressful time here. Uh, two 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 stressful things. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we go to the hospital, um, and Allison's going to get the nasty little lump, uh, in the breast tissue under her left arm, uh, removed. And so that's a big time yes. for us and our family. And so, yes. uh, a little bit stressed about that. And then the other stressful thing, I would say equally stressful <laughs> is, uh, on the advice of behaviorists that I interview on the other podcasts I do, Cone of Shame, um, oh, I no. moved my bad dog, Skipper, to food puzzles for his meals, uh, because he needs intellectual stimulation. Uh-huh. And he How's that working out for you? <laughs> it's he's not he's not he does not agree that food in a food puzzle is one of his two meals. <laughs> like that's it. Like he has chewed up the measuring cup and all the the other things. He is still convinced that he is supposed to get food in a bowl oh, twice God. a day and a certain amount of food in a bowl. <laughs> And what is being introduced in the food puzzle, he does not see that as an alt, as a substitute sure. uh, for it, which I kind of get. Because, like, if you gave me a lasagna in a lockbox and I, like, got into it and you were like, well, that was your dinner, I'd be like, oh, no, dinner comes on the table. Right. Like, din- dinner's on a plate. <laughs> this was just this was just lock, lock, lockbox lasagna. That, <laughs> this is extra. Lockbox lasagna. I love it. So, yeah. So I get it. But he is, uh, he's being, he chewed up the measuring cup this morning. Oh gosh. Uh, so yeah, that's where we are. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's one of a kind. That's good yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. He's, oh, well. oh man. Oh, well. Well, well, that's how I'm, things are going here. I am super excited. Uh, we have, uh, we have got, uh, a letter from a practice owner and this excites me because I think it falls in line with a lot of the kind of questions that our community members have been asking and we're, you know, we're getting ready to do get shit done in, uh, in a week, but then we're already thinking ahead to, uh, December for our practice owner summit. And I'm super excited to tackle questions like this because I think so many, um, practice leaders and practice owners in particular are feeling, um, overwhelmed, but also feeling that this like fighting spirit of like, I'm going to figure this out. So I love seeing questions like this. Uh, It came to us from a previous uh, writer in the mailbag who who said, this is how you know me. Uh, And I'm still, (laughs) I'm still stubborn, but I am, um, I am in a new place and I am feeling a little bit apathetic, uh, which is not me. Uh, They are scheduled, their clinic is scheduled weeks out and uh, have gotten to the place where they're not taking new clients. They lost um, half of their licensed technician team in the last year, and uh, they lost two and a half doctors uh, to, it sounds like, retirement and, and life. So nothing that anybody can control, just had some changes. Uh, and they say that they, they 
I say two and a half because one of the doctors that retired this year has already come back part time to help us out because we're so uh, overwhelmed. They said, I can't get my regular clients in. I, you know, I'm struggling with what to say and how to say it when it comes to us not having an appointment for their first time issues for things like, you know, never been itchy before and now has flaming allergies or has crazy diarrhea. Like these are things that they know that they need to be seen for and they want to get them in and they just don't have a space to do with them and uh, to put them. And they, uh, this practice owner was like, look, I know what to do with the immediate, like urgent fire things that we can't handle, but what do I do with those things that I know need to be seen, but won't go to the emergency room and I can't see them for days or weeks. And I'm struggling to explain it myself. And also my team is struggling to explain it to clients in a way that isn't then opening up the doors to negativity and criticism. Um, And so this doctor was like, look, I've been that (laughs) I've been the anti-negative review person for a long time but really the clients reviews matter to me don't don't tell anybody (laughs) don't tell (laughs) but it does they take it to heart it matters and they're struggling like what do i what do i what do i say like i can't help you because my client or my doctors are about to go get other jobs because they're too overwhelmed and they're too overworked like i feel like i'm running out of ideas and i need a strategy um and they are just in that rut where they are overwhelmed. They have too small of a a staff to handle their patient load. Everybody's constantly in training and they just don't know how to direct that energy at clients in a way that doesn't feel negative when it feels like clients are just like, help me, help me, help me. Right. Um, And so they they said, I need help signed. I can't give up. I won't. And I just loved this question because uh, they are not alone. (laughs) We we get this question a lot. Um, And I think it's just such a good one for us to tackle as we head into uh, what's another usually crazy part of the year for most clinics. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, this is the defining question of vet medicine right now. In my experience, this is this is the question that people ask me all the time. And um, there is no there is no beautiful, hey, I have the solution you haven't thought of answer. <laughs> but there, there are absolutely best practices. And I think that's really important. And I, I'm really I was really glad to see this this question come through the mailbag. Yeah, um, because we've got a lot of experience answering it at this point. Uh, there are best practices. There is really good headspace that I personally think is really, really important. And I want to try to lay it down eloquently today if I can. Uh, but headspace, uh, it really matters. And then yes. the other thing is, what can you actually do and what can you actually control? And, uh, and, and I'm, I think that there, there are things, uh, there are things that you can do mm-hmm. and that you can control. And so yeah, anyway, totally. I'm excited to get into this and start to kind of lay this stuff down. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So let's start with some headspace. Okay. Okay. All right. So I, I don't know what happened with their doctors, things like that. There's, there's two contributing factors. Uh, one of them is what I call walking in the rain and one of them is called the death spiral. And um, so I'm going to talk about both of them and kind of how I see this. But I know that I don't have any more information than what you guys just heard from right. from this mailbag. So um, yeah. anyway, that's it. All right. Um, I mentioned uh, starting this podcast that tomorrow uh, my wife and I uh, are going to the hospital uh, right. to to deal with, uh, with this breast cancer. Um, and it sucks my friends i uh, i do not recommend if anyone's like hey you want to try breast cancer you should say no um you should say no uh you should opt you should like if you are given the option hard pass um hard pass um and 
my wife is, she wouldn't mind me saying this. She's, she's 43 years old. Why does someone who's 43 have breast cancer? Like, why does that, why does that happen? Um, and the answer is, I don't, I don't know. Right. I don't know what happens. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why sometimes we end up with, um, a bunch of patients and we can't hire people. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I don't know why, um, why sometimes, uh, really great staff members move away and go to somewhere else. I don't think we did anything wrong. You know, I just, uh, you can't convince me that we did anything wrong. You know, sometimes through no fault of our own, we have to walk in the rain. Mm -hmm. And that, that's kind of how I put it. It's because I don't have any control. I, you know, I, you guys have probably heard me talk on the podcast before. I think that, that I say we're all backpackers. And, and that's really what I believe is I believe that we're all out exploring this, this profession in this world and we're all walking and hopefully we find good partners to walk with. And sometimes we walk with a team and that's great. But at some point we're all walking and we all walk and sometimes we get beautiful views and sometimes we get eaten by mosquitoes and sometimes it pours rain on us. Right. And there's really not a lot of options that we have other than be smart in how we pick our paths. Mm -hmm. And if we find ourselves circling back to the same spot again and again and again, we need to pick a different path. We right. need to change that. Yeah. But there is truth at some point, you're just going to walk. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to climb big hills and there is no path that does not have hills on it. And there yeah. is no path that doesn't have mosquitoes on it. And there is no path that doesn't get rained on. And so sometimes, guys, we just get rained on and we have to walk in the rain and we mm -hmm. can be angry about it or we can be sad about it, or we can be, um, you know, or we can uh, sing a song while we get rained on. And that is, that is generally the power that we have, but we have the power to, to choose our path. Um, but you should still know that every path get, gets rained on. And so I put that forward first when I say, sometimes staff leave. And when yeah. um, so, so many of us are shorthanded and guys, it's really, really hard to hire people right now. And I'm talking yeah. about uh, across the US and Canada. Boy, it is it is very, very difficult to to get people. We have a, we have a, a labor shortage. And so if you're looking around and you're like, gosh, I can't hire people and we've got a ton of work. I, I wanna put forward the idea that you're probably not doing anything wrong. You're probably just walking in the rain like the rest of us are. Yeah. And so I wanna remove those feelings of guilt, first of all. Yeah, I think the other thing that's really important about um, the the metaphor, because I think it's such a, a good one, and it's certainly, um, you know, more positive than thinking like life sucks sometimes, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's how I looked at things for a really long time. Um, but I I love the idea that you know, yeah, it does, but you just like you you have a choice, and I think the danger is that we have. Um, there are there are people in the world who are um, eternal optimists and uh, who always, you know, try and look at things on the sunny side and who will, you know, look at this and say, you can you can choose to sing while you're walking in the rain and you and you can. And there are certainly times where that is the tool that I want to reach for. And I also just think that it's important to say, like, sometimes you need to just sit in the rain and cry. Right. And that's yeah. okay. Too. And that's okay too. And sometimes somebody joins you and then you have a friend yeah. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, like sometimes you run to try and outrun the mosquitoes. Like the reality yeah. is the choices that you're making are not wrong. And I think this is one of those places where it's really easy to beat ourselves up because we are yes. perfectionists in veterinary medicine. And it's really yeah. easy to focus on, uh, you know, well, I, I feel really, really crappy about this. And I'm 
sad and I'm mad and I don't know what to do to help my team and I feel lost. And it's really easy to add more emotions to that by letting yourself sink into the guilt by feeling like, well, I should figure out how to sing in the rain and be happy about this. Like that's, I don't, I think it's really important to, to acknowledge like all of the emotions are, are valid and you're going to go through all of them. That's the whole point. Like it should always be this cycle. And at some point, if you sit there in the rain too long, like you're going to get pruny and you're gonna you know you're gonna have side effects from it and so yes you shouldn't sit there forever like there should be then the place where you pick yourself up and you figure out how you start walking in right but in the moment like don't let yourself feel bad for wherever you are on that journey um and if you need to if you need to stop you need to stop and like i that's why i loved how they started with like okay well I thought a stopping point would be not taking new clients. And so I yep. did that thing, totally. right? And like, so I yep. think it's really important to acknowledge that there are there are places along the way that all of us are going to stop and there's nothing wrong with that. Right, I agree. And well, that's another part that I put to this backpacking metaphor is if anyone who goes out and backpacks, um, you better take breaks. Mm. There's no scenario where you get up and you put your pack on your back in the morning and you walk all day and you never stop and drink some water. Like breaks are required to enjoy backpacking. Like if you're walking and walking and you never stop to rest for a minute or have a snack or have a drink of water, I think you're doing it wrong. Right. Um, There are some people who uh, sit down and take a break and just never get back up and get going again. And uh, that's not that's not good either. But I really I again and I'll move on past this metaphor in a second. I really like the idea of like, just imagine that you're, that you're, you know, you're walking in a crappy place. Um, I, there is a desire to hustle to get through that place. And I think that that's good. However, there's also a thing where you say, this is a big stretch of bad place. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to take some breaks here. Like yeah. I, I cannot push, I cannot sprint five miles down this trail. Like I yeah. can't, I'm going to have to walk. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to take breaks, even though it's not where I want to be, but I'm going to rest because I can't push myself and I can't push my team, uh, you know, hard without stopping to get through this to come to the other side. And again, if it's raining, you can push yourself as hard as you want. It's still going to rain. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, mm-hmm. that, that's it. But I want to put that forward because I, I feel like when we start talking about this, I think a lot of people are wrestling with a lot of guilt. Mm-hmm. And I just want to put forward yeah. that, hey, this is probably not about you. This is a hard time for a lot, a lot of practices. Um, and 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 then there's not a magic answer. I, sometimes we walk in the rain. And so I, I think to our writer, I would say, hey, buddy, you're walking in the rain. OK, and and that's that's all right. I don't I don't expect most of us to sing in the rain. I'm not pushing right. those. sorts of things. But <laughs> but I would say the most enlightened of us can still enjoy the views even when it's raining, when we come to them. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's the key. If you're miserable in the rain and you can't enjoy the views and you can't enjoy anything at all because all you can focus on is it's raining, I think that's a really hard, really dark place to be. Yeah. I think I think enlightenment is being aware that it's raining and still saying, you know what, I'm going to appreciate where I am and I'm going to appreciate what I have and I'm going to I'm going to stop and I'm going to I'm going to celebrate the beauty that I find even right. though it's in the rain. Yeah. So anyway, that that that's that's the first thing I talk about. So I want to put that headspace out and say, hey, sometimes we walk in the rain. Sure. And we need to put the guilt aside. The other part of that that, that I see in a lot of practices that are in this in this place is what I call the death spiral. And the death spiral is this. It's where we say, I am super overwhelmed. 
and we have so much to work to do. There's nothing we can do but put our head down and work, work, work really hard to get through it. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, and we have the best of intentions. It is a hundred, it's not about, I want to make all the money. It's not right. that it's people need my help and I need right. to go. And there's no other alternative but to put our head down and just work, work, work. And what happens is you burn out your people sure, and they quit because they don't own the practice. Yep. And so they say, I'm miserable. I'm stressed. I'm burned out. I come home and I cry at night. You know, my, my spouse is telling me that, that this is not, this is not acceptable. This yeah. is affecting me. And I have to take care of myself and I'm going to leave. And basically going back to our backpacking metaphor, this is someone that we force marched right. to the point that they said, right. I'm not hiking with you anymore. Yeah. I'm getting off this trail. Right. And they, and they leave. And now you're in a worse place because you have fewer team members. You know yep. what I mean? Like, yeah. and I saw that and I saw this during the pandemic was a big one is I saw people put their head down and work because they thought that yes. was the answer. Yeah. And then they burn their people out and their people quit. And now they have just as much demand for their services with a smaller team. Yep. And so that goes back and all that stuff ties together and it's really important. Like I said, a lot of times people leave because their spouse gets in their job or they, or they get another offer. I had one of my favorite doctors in the world say to me, that he had just lost one of his licensed technicians. And he said, I can't blame her. She got a job 30 minutes closer to home and at $6 an hour more than I can pay. Right. And like, I can't blame her for taking that. And I was like, good, you shouldn't blame her for taking that. And you also shouldn't feel guilty if you can't magically make her be 30 minutes closer to, to, I mean, the 30 minutes is a big deal. And then $6 an hour, if you can't pay that, then then you can't pay that and, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't beat yourself up about it, you sh- but you should also not hold it against her right. or feel or feel bad that she went to this other place. And so I, I think a lot of it is is that accepting where other people are and knowing, okay, I cannot drive these people. If I drive these people until they quit, um, then then now I'm making this worse. You know, I mm-hmm. can't control the rain, right? But if I but I can control whether or not we let people rest and how we take care of them, how we respond. Yeah. And so anyway, the death spiral is the other part of this that I see where people say. There is no answer but through as hard as we can go. And you end up burning your people out and then you lose them. And then the the patient number doesn't go down. It stays the same, but you're more short-handed. Hey, friends. There is a workshop coming up that some of you are not going to want to miss. You know, this last weekend was Uncharted Get You Done. There was a lot of conversation about workflow challenges in our practice and how a lot of us are struggling with things not working very well. Things feel pretty inefficient. We're all struggling to do more with less less time, less people, less resources. And um, there was a lot of conversation about how do we get more efficient and effective in our workflows. And so while a lot of you were there with us this weekend, not all of you were. And so I want to give you all an opportunity to join us coming up in November, November 30th at 530 Eastern, 230 Pacific. We are offering a two hour workshop with my dear friend, Sanani Ratnayaka. Sanani is an RVT, so she is a licensed technician. She is a general badass. Uh, She is a practice management consultant and she loves talking about workflow. And so Sanani has agreed to come back and lead a workshop that was voted one of our most popular in all of 2021 in Uncharted. And that is the secret sauce to optimizing workflow. This two hour workshop is here to help you and your team dissect your workflow so that you can get out of the place where everything feels inefficient and ineffective. So if you are struggling with efficiency and effectiveness in your practice, head on over to unchartedvet.com forward slash events and sign up for the workshop. We would love to see you there. And now 
back to the podcast. And I think this is one that is really hard for a lot of leaders to wrap their heads around because they care so much about their patients and they care about their teams too. They care about their clients. They want to make everybody happy, right? We're a field full of perfectionist people pleasers. Let's let's be honest about what we are. And so there are a lot of leaders who look at it and say, well, I just want to take care of the patients. And so like everybody, let's huddle together and let's get, you know, let's 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 support each other, but also like let's lean in and just do the thing. And I think that uh, it's very it's done with the best of intentions. And the thing that I always struggled with and I had several partners in practice, whether it's medical director or, or a, you know, co-owner where we butted heads about this because the it is not um it is not a single option here because the other side of this coin is that there are people to take care of and there are people to consider as well like we want to do right by our patients and at the same time we also need to do right by our clients and our team and it's really easy to reach for the pet lever and pull it because we all have empathy. And even the people who are here because they like people care about the patients, right? And care about the animals. And so when we say like, let's just put our heads down, let's take care of all of our patients. Like we want to be there for them. That's a, that's a really easy one. And I think it's one to remind ourselves, like before you pull that lever, it's really important to take the step back and look at it from the people perspective as well. And and I say this for two reasons. One, to the point you brought up, Andy, which is that if you put your heads down and just work and work and work, and I saw this with lots of my colleagues during the pandemic, people will leave. They will yeah. 100% leave. They mm-hmm. will get overwhelmed, they will burn, burn out, and they will leave. And then you are worse off. And also, there is we we are superheroes, all of us. We do amazing mm-hmm. things for our patients every single day. And at the same time, what level of medicine can we practice when we're down three or four people? Mm-hmm. Can we be our best team of superheroes when we are not rested? When we worked yeah. a 16 hour day, we went home and slept for five or six hours and then we come back and do it again. Like the, the reality is you can do that for a short period of time, but that's not sustainable long term. And that's where I think it's important to think about the people side of it. The other piece that I encourage a lot of us to think about that I think think we don't, we should think about it more than we do, is the client piece of it. Because just as much as we are there for our patients, we also need to be there for our clients. And are we serving our clients if we are driving our teams to take care of our patients and we Mm. are overwhelmed and we are running behind? And now we shift the business model so that clients are constantly on hold. They're waiting hours because we've We've taken in more patients than we can see. They're not getting calls back. They're not, we, we, and we are doing our best. Don't get me wrong. We are trying to take care of those clients, but are we serving them in the best way possible when we just put our head down and to your point, go into that death spiral and focus solely on let's just take care of the patients. We have to be there to take care of the patients. And so I think it's really, really important to consider that you cannot pull one of these levers, either of them, pets or people, without it becoming a lopsided equation. And so I think it's really, really important from a headspace perspective to consider the fact that we we have to consider both sides of it and really try and figure out how do we strike that balance. And it's it's hard 
Don't get me yeah. wrong. Like we, I, I have, I have done this. I have done this wrong. You know, I have, I have had it go well, but I've also done it really wrong. And so I think it's just, it's an important piece of headspace to keep in mind because so many of us immediately, myself included, can lean into the patient piece of it because that's what we're here for and, yeah. and, and forget about the people piece of it. And it is equally, it is equally important to the balance. Well, that, that is the leadership challenge, isn't it? Is like, I mean, it's a classic, it's the classic uh, challenge of getting the most out of your people so that you can pursue your goal, uh, your mission, your purpose, the reason that we do this. We need people to work hard and, right. and we want to get the most out of them. But you can push that too far and until they break and people yes. say, well, where is that line? And I go, boy, that line is a moving target, isn't it? Yes. And sometimes <laughs> people, sometimes your people, I mean, we, I've had it with our team, you know, with our team, there was a time everybody on our team was sick yes. you know like we yes. had it was funny we had covid go through our office which is funny because we're virtual and yes. we live <laughs> hundreds of miles apart from each other yet we all got covid like within two weeks it like, is i true. got it yeah we, we had that happen at one point and you go boy cracking the whip and really pushing people not that we cracked the whip but you get the point like, like we were really we trying had a to ton push of deadlines. people hard yeah, yeah it was crazy busy i was like we were busy but also our people were just down and sick and yeah. you know and you go look I, I, we're not going to get the work done that we would get done when people are healthy and trying to get that same amount of work done right now is, is a bad idea because right. all we're going to do is really break people. And, and it's, uh, yeah, it, so it is, it's always that, that balance of as the leader, you have the, do you have the challenge that every sports coach, every sports coach has, which is how do I motivate? How do I inspire? How do I get the most out of my people? without pushing them to the point that they get injured or mm -hmm. that they don't enjoy mm -hmm. playing this game anymore and they don't, you know, and they don't right. come back. Uh, th th that's the real challenge that we all have here. And so we need to keep that. You know, when I talk about getting the most out of people and, and sort of building this thing and the mission and the purpose and where we're going, the last part I want to bring up in Headspace is the sunk cost fallacy. Okay. Because I see this really messing with a lot of people's heads right now. And what happens in the sunk cost fallacy? The sunk cost fallacy is the idea that I have, invested so much to get here, stepping back or changing what I'm doing now feels like I wasted that energy to get here. Yeah. And so what that looks like right now in a lot of places is we built our clientele up to a certain level. We built, we have, we have 10 exam rooms now and we have been seeing X number of clients a day and not using some of those exam rooms feels like failure. And, and re significantly reducing the number of clients we see a day, that feels like mega feel failure. Sure. You know, like I worked 10 years to get to this place where we did this amount of, of cases and everything. And now going back down feels like all the energy we spent to get here was wasted. Yeah. And that's the sunk cost fallacy. And so the last thing I'm going to call out headspace wise before we go into this is to say, hey, I see you there. I see you overwhelmed. I see you struggling. You need to not think about what you've done in the past. You need to do the mental exercise of thinking if you were starting your practice right now, today, with the team that you have, how many exam rooms would you run? And, and how many patients would you see? And the, and the number of patients that you saw two years ago, that doesn't matter because yep. it's not two years ago. It's yep. today. And realistic expectations about if, if we were starting right now today, what would what would we service? And the fact that we serviced more last year when we had two and a half more technicians and two more doctors than we have today, 
that doesn't matter because mm-hmm. that ain't where we're living right now. Nope. And listen, this is one of the things that um, I I struggled with the most um, in in practice, um, particularly in my journey as a as a corporate practice manager. And, and I'm going to talk to my fellow colleagues here for a second, because when we when we run our practices from a leadership perspective and we we it is our job as business people to be concerned about the numbers i'm not gonna lie like that is part of your job as the business side of the leadership your job is to think about the numbers and to your point andy like our practices should be built on what can we do when we are efficient and effective right like how can we maximize seeing and doing the best work for the best number of patients and and we know that when we practice good medicine like that the revenue follows and that yeah. should be that it that is a good thing right and at the same time it's really really easy to get caught up in micromanaging or being micromanaged to the numbers. And so a lot of us, particularly those of us who have managed in corporate medicine say, well we have to see certain number of cases because our whole structure is built on that. And yeah. the thing that I will tell you and <laughs> um it don't don't get me wrong, it got me in trouble more than once, but I will I will say I will stand by it like the the reality is if your practice any practice private corporate does not matter. If your practice can't stand to say this month we are going to change things and it's not permanent, but right this second this is what's best for the people, whether it's the clients, your team, a combination of all of the above, we're going to step back and we are going to see 10 patients a day instead of 25 or whatever it is that you need to do. That's, that's quite a step. <laughs> if you're, but, but here's the thing. Like if you go from four doctors to one, going yeah. from 25 patients a day to 10, maybe your only option, right? Yeah. So, so even if you can't, you have to be able to take even a radical step like that for a short period of time. If your practice can't sustain that, you weren't running a good business in the first place. Like you should be able to sustain that for a short period of time, right? You should be able to pivot and do what you need to do for a short period of time. And that short period of time is going to be different for all of us. We are all in different places in our business. We all have different levels of buffer. We all have different levels of reserves in the bank. I recognize that all of those things matter. But if we're running it so close to the line that we have to live forever in the place of sunk cost fallacy and we can't look at things and say, I am going to make these changes temporarily to take care of my people, to take care of my clients, whatever the reason is, then we have to change the business model because that's not going to work for anyone long term. Boy, you know, uh, leadership in modern vet medicine is more about advocating up the chain than it's ever been before. Don't you agree? A hundred percent. Boy, wouldn't it be great if there was a place like a community (laughs) that you could go and you could work with other people who have the same struggles and advocate up the chain for their people. And uh, that would provide ongoing support and guidance and lessons learned and hard fought battle experience. Uh Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be so amazing. God, I can't think of a place like that. Me Um, either. I wonder where where one might exist. Oh, there's a place. It's called Uncharted Veterinary Community. And that (laughs) is uh, what we do. We have literally 
hundreds of leaders who are in corporate practice uh, that are also leading teams on the ground. And uh, we work with them because um, that's what we do. And uh, yeah, we 100% help people advocate up and down the chain. And you're like, no one's ever told me how to communicate up the chain uh, to take care of my people. I was like, well, you know, that's uh, that's the thing that uh, we definitely do at Uncharted. So if you're interested in that, then uh, check us out. Wait, there's one more thing. I said that was my last headspace thing. And now I'm like, oh, there's one more thing I have to say. Because, and I hadn't planned on talking about this, but then when you were going through what what this person said in their letter, yep. there's one thing that popped out and it hit me like a, like a, like a, like a thorn, like it was like a splinter. And I'm okay. like, that's gonna hang with me. It's gonna bother the heck out of me. Okay. This person said, the clients won't go to the emergency room, mm-hmm. right? And what they were saying was like, it's like an allergy flare up. Sure. And they and they won't go to the emergency room. And it's like, I get it. You know, you I, yes. I, I can 100% understand the person saying, I, I don't want to pay that money to go to that emergency room. And I don't right. want to go there and wait for hours to get seen. I totally get it for sure. But this is a thing. And this is going to sound uh, maybe a bit harsh, but I need everybody to hear it, right? It is not your responsibility to solve the problem of a pet owner won't go to the emergency room or they won't go somewhere else, Mm -hmm. right? That is, that doesn't mean I'm I'm heartless. It doesn't mean I don't care. I totally do care. But in order for you to keep your sanity, you need to know that that's not your pet. And all you can do is advocate and be honest and compassionate and do the best that you can do without burning yourself out, right? Because yes. you giving everything you can today and leaving this profession in three years, that is not the best outcome. Yes. And, and I say this because I can see it in the writing of the person who wrote in. I see all the time, guys, the trap in vet medicine is people jump in, they say, I'm here for the pets and the people and I'm gonna take care of them. And they do everything they can for five years and they burn out and they leave the profession. And I right. say, you know what? If you had made some hard calls and set some boundaries that made you unpopular at the time, you would still be here 10 years from now. And the net number of people and pets you would have helped is much greater. And so the greatest outcome over over your life is not seeing everything that you can see and taking responsibility for everything. It is being honest about what you can do, taking care of yourself, working hard, of course, um, but still setting those boundaries. And so, I, it sounds awful when I say it's not my responsibility to handle problems when the pet owner says, well, I'm not, I'm not going somewhere else. And I would say, your job is to present them honestly with their options and to set clear expectations and let them know what you can do and what you can't do. And that is what they have to decide. Right. And so maybe they're not going to take their allergy dog to the emergency clinic. And here's another thing that's really, really hard for vets to hear. If I can't see your pet, because I am swamped and overwhelmed, I'm gonna recommend you go to a different vet practice. Yeah. And people go, that is heresy, right. oh my God. <laughs> and that is, it, there's some competitiveness to it. Um, there is some scarcity mentality. There is yeah. the fear that one day I'm not gonna have enough clients and I'm gonna go out of business and we're all gonna live right. in a box right. by, the, by the stream. Under the tree. Uh-huh. Under the trees. Um, and all of those things are scarcity mentality that kick in. But I'm saying is, in order to feel whole, is to look around and say, I can't see you. You're not willing to go to the emergency clinic and pay emergency prices. Uh, I don't see this changing in the near future and your pet is having an allergy flare up. My recommendation is that you need to go find another veterinary clinic and I'll send your records over. I, I, I hate it, but I'm just being honest with you. I can't get you in and I don't want your pet to suffer. And this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think I think that is such a 
struggle for us in oh, veterinary medicine. People hate for it. So, oh my God, for so many reasons. But I will also tell you, it it feels like this foreign concept and it shouldn't because at the end of the day, we are in the customer service business. And let me tell you, if you, so when I was, when I, when I was really young, uh, when I was at university, I, uh, was a manager for, a, a book, uh, chains, not around anymore, but I worked for borders and, uh, was the manager for the children's department. And I was covering at the customer service desk one day and we had a customer come up to the desk and they were looking for a particular book and we didn't have it in stock. And I wasn't going to be able to get it for like two and a half or three weeks. And they were just like, you know, thanks, but I really, you know, I really wanted to get it. And I said, well, let me, um, hang on. Do you have just a moment? I said, let me see if anywhere else, uh, you know, locally has it. The The next closest uh, borders to us was like 45 minutes away. So mm-hmm. it's like this, this poor customer is like looking for this thing. And they had told me why, and it was for school and it was really important. So I picked up the phone and I called Barnes and Nobles, which was, yeah. you know, 10 minutes down the street. And I said, Hey, do you happen to have a copy of this? You know, I'm calling from borders and they put me on hold. And then they said, yes. And I said, great. I have a customer here and I gave them her name and I said, I'm going to send her over. Can you set it aside for her at the front desk? And they were like, yeah. And that client was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it did you say Barnes and Nobles? Are you like, are, are you sure? And I said, yeah, it's right down the street, you know, go, go ahead. And they have it, they have it waiting at the front desk for you. And she went and it was so funny because I was on, uh, and she went on her day and I didn't think about it. And at, later that night I got a page to come to the customer service desk and I go up to the customer service desk and the woman is standing there and she, she has a, a bag in her hand and a, and a coffee. And she's just like, I had no idea what you liked, but I just wanted to say, thank you. Like you're, you know, you saved my day for school. And you know, I, she's like, I, pi- I picked it up and she's like, but I just want you to know, like, I'm going to come back here. And yeah. it made a huge difference in my day. And the fact that you would send me to your competitor like that, that means something to me. And then I I saw her uh, over and over because she would come in like once a week to do school stuff. And it was, uh, it stuck with me because I I did it. It just, you know, was, didn't think twice about it and had a conversation with my manager about it. And they were just like, well, but you sent her to a competitor. And I was like, yeah, but she's a loyal client now. She's like, she's a loyal customer. She's coming back. And so, so what? So we lost the $10 on that book sale, but look at what we've gained in the long term in that relationship. And I think it, it's really important and it stuck with me. And I, and I have used that for myself and, and with my team, especially my client service team, because at the end of the day, like we are here to take care of our patients and our clients. Mm-hmm. And if there's something that we can do that is better for that pet than the care we can provide or different care that we can't provide for that pet, like we should have no doubt in our mind to send them to someone even just down the street, right? And so if it's better, if that if that client is telling you, I can't, I can't go to the emergency hospital for whatever reason, but their yeah. pet is miserable, then I love that you said that because sometimes the answer should be, okay, I I really feel strongly that this shouldn't wait. And so if you're not willing to do this, here's my suggestion, because you know what the alternative is? The alternative is they're going to go home and they're going to do what that what that customer would have done, which is look it up herself, see that the Barnes and Noble down the street has it and go there anyways. So they're going to go home, they're going to Dr. Google, and they're going to either find somebody else's care or they're going to try and treat things themselves. And so I really, it really matters to me that we keep in mind that we are in the customer service business at the end of the day. And so I will tell you, there have been times where I've spent, sent really good clients to our competition yeah. <laughs> because 
Here's the thing that I know. I know that if I take care of those clients, if I help them, they will on on a overwhelming average come back. Even really good clients that people are like, oh my God, but what if they have a better experience at that hospital? And what if we lose them as a client? Then we weren't doing our jobs. Like if they well, could go for a one and done appointment and be so impressed by somebody else, like that that's okay. That teaches us some lessons about where we have opportunities as a practice. And if you're not willing to take those risks as a leader, I think you're selling yourself and your team short. Yeah, well, we create this inescapable trap for ourselves. It's like, we are overwhelmed and we can't see all the pets. And also the idea of referring <laughs> yes, them to someone else, else is absolutely unacceptable. Yes. And I go, wait a second, you have 100% created this soul-sucking trap that's yes. burning you and your people out. And I go, this isn't worth it. The other thing too is I would say, let your purpose guide you. And I've just found in life that if you have a purpose and that's what you 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 follow, everything else seems to work itself out. You know what I mean? If you believe, I say, I'm going to do what's best for pets and you set your prices appropriately, you will have a healthy business because you will take care of pets and, uh, you know, make sure that the money uh, makes sense and it works. But you can 100% focus not on the money, but on taking care of the pets and the money will take care of itself. The same thing is true with this is if you want to take care of the pets, at some point that might mean I can't get these pets in, I'm sending them away, then you're going to sleep well at night knowing that you did what was best for pets and you're not going to burn out and quit and you'll be here years from now. And so anyway, the idea that you would send people away because you're overwhelmed and then all of a sudden you can't get enough people to come in and support your business. I, I don't I don't buy that. I don't believe that. Um, I just I think that's a scarcity mentality and, and it's a it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Hey, you know, we're we're about 40 some minutes into this episode and I feel like this has all been really good headspace. And I know a lot of people are really struggling with this. Um, and I don't want to sprint through the action steps. Are you okay, Stephanie? What if we split this episode? Okay. And then next week we'll come back and we'll just just do action steps. Yeah, let's let's do it. We're gonna try something different, everybody. Like I I love this because we've got some good action steps and I don't want to rush into these, Andy. Like let's let's take our time and let's let's do it. So let's let's do our first uh our first two parter. Our first two parter. Yeah, I I think that's it. I, I'm looking at the action steps and stuff I have kind of laid out here that I want and I want to I want to unpack them and I think they're they're yeah. really helpful. So let's not rush just let's just uh we'll do headspace right here. We're gonna call this an episode and Part then one. we'll see you guys back next week and we will run through uh the rest of our action steps. Stay tuned overwhelmed and won't give up because we'll be back. Well, gang, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. And as always, this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question. And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.